The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to the usual After the Buzzer Low Post Hoop Collective joint podcast after Game 2 of the NBA Finals where the Phoenix Suns, every time, every time you thought the Bucs were getting there, every time, and Pat Connaughton had a three that would have cut at the three and he missed it, but every time, there was a Devin Booker three. There was a Chris Paul three. There was a scramble play that somehow ended it up with someone on the Phoenix Suns hitting a three. All in all, 20 threes for the Suns, nine threes for the Bucks. That's just about your ball game. The Bucs stayed in it with offensive rebounds and low turnovers, but Phoenix was just scorching all game long. Mikhail Bridges was sensational. We now go back to Milwaukee with the Suns. In firm control of the series, as Pat Riley said, series doesn't win until the home team loses. Uh, we have Brian Windhorst here as usual. We have a special guest, the former head coach of both the Charlotte Hornets and the Orlando Magic, a guy who's sitting there taking notes, not even paying attention to what I'm saying. <laughs> He's prepping his stuff. The great Steve Clifford. Brian, how are you? Cliff, how are you? Cliff and I were talking about golf because we're just so – I am – I am tired after watching that game. What an emotional game. The history will show it was a 10-point game. It wasn't a 10-point game, though. And, um, God, to watch this game as a Buck fan had to be gut-wrenching because they kept coming. It was so admirable the way they kept coming back. They didn't have their best stuff, but they kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming, and it was a – apex performance from Giannis. I mean, he's 15 to 22. He's, he's cramping. He's, his knee is bothering him and he's just, he's going in there. He's going in there. He's getting hacked, but he's hanging in at the line and he's staying in it and they're getting offensive rebounds and they're fighting and they're fighting. And then if you're a Suns fan, it's euphoric because every time you felt a little bit of pressure, you saw a brilliant play just a brilliant shot or a brilliant cut or a, you know, a steal. And um, Tim Corrigan, who is our producer, who um, basically um, calls the shots for, you know, he's the director um, or maybe it's executive. Producer. I don't know what his title is, but he runs the show. In Czar, the truck. Just call him czar. Yeah. That's what I like to call people who have the power. Um, and Jimmy, the director, I mean, they called a perfect game and they had so many crowd shots and to watch the Phoenix Suns fans euphoria as those shots came through, it was just a, you know, Cliff, you're used to watching games and being in there and keeping calm and everything like that. But, um, and so am I, you know, I don't have no skin in the game, but I, I was really taken, really sucked in by this game. Oh, and the, like you're talking about, the environment is great. Obviously, the fans are ecstatic to for their team to be there. And I'm sure that, you know, they're giving their team a good lift. I, you know, a couple of things for me. Obviously, the biggest thing is uh, Phoenix plus 11 in the three-point game, like Zach, you mentioned. That's the biggest factor. I think the other thing is uh, – the offensive rebounding for Milwaukee was critical for them to stay, you know, right there. And yet I think the timeout came, uh, I think Monty called timeout with four Oh four to go in the fourth up eight. And, uh, you know, they had five second chance points in the next two and a half minutes, 
which were huge plays. Aiton, uh, they had the possession where there was a miss offensive rebound out to Booker, miss. Aiton offensive rebound, touch out to Chris Paul for a three. And then they had another offensive rebound, uh, you know, where they, where they got two. And, you know, they needed all of that. Uh, you know, Milwaukee uh, actually changed quite a bit of stuff, uh, you know. Um, and what they did is, you know, I know Jeff mentions it and working for him is what he always talks about. What they really did is they played their base a lot better. You know, the the uh, matchup of, uh, you know, almost exclusively holiday on Chris Paul. Uh, and he was ready. And Lopez's pick and roll defense tonight, I thought, was just tremendous, you know. So they stayed in the drop. They stayed away from the switches. They did get uh, the one time I think they had got it to six. And they were a little bit late in their pursuit. And they ended up, you guys remember, uh, they ended up with Brooke out on Devin in front of the Phoenix bench. And he got separation and hit the step back to it to his right hand. But the reality is, regardless of what they do, and they're doing it, they were showing more perimeter to perimeter instead of switching. The reality is this, those two guys are such good pick and roll players that it's almost pick your poison. And uh, they also helped a lot more tonight uh, off, uh, I think, designated guys. And that's where some of those Crowder and uh, Bridges spot up games. Yeah, there were two um, moments. Um, the ball's in Connaughton's hand, Connaughton's hand, Connaughton's hands both times. One, they're down six with the ball. One, they're down five with the ball. They're down six. He gets the ball in the left wing and he passes it. I mean, he's open and I know he wants to, you're supposed to swing. And what you can't get much more out of Connaughton. I mean, Connaughton's playing the role of DiVincenzo. I mean, I'm not, I'm not blaming him, but he decides to throw an extra pass and it gets picked off. So they, he has an open look to cut it to three and then he does get an open look to cut it to two and he misses it. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, he, he hits some shots, but you know, that's what you're, that's what you're pulling your hair out if you're Milwaukee, but um, Zach, to, I, go ahead. Well, I should have mentioned right off the top, Giannis, you mentioned the shooting 42 points three shot blocks and he was a menace at the rim the entire game. I, I for him to do this on, I mean, I don't really know. I assume in the regular season, he would not be playing maybe in the first round. He might even sit a game. I, I don't even know what really his condition is at this point, but it was, we need, to, we need to stop showing the injury by the way. It was absolutely like, it, this was a, this was a MVP legend kind of performance from Giannis yeah. and, and, you know, you can talk about the 23s, all this. So it, it's it sometimes it's simple. 23s for the for the Suns, nine for the Bucks. Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are yeah. 12 of 37 combined. It's just not for 28 points, I think. Is am I looking at it right? Yeah. And that's just not that's not gonna be enough. And and I you know, Cliff, I I, I want to zero in on this. I'm glad you brought up Brooke Lopez. Uh, I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now, which is a, a great analytics site. The Suns for the game had an offensive rating of 124 points per 100 possessions. That would have led the league in the regular season by a mile. Mm. So this is a great offensive performance by the Suns, and it was great because of the threes. And the point that I want to bring you back to was, 
I completely agree with you. I thought Brooke Lopez had a really, really good defensive game. He would he would cover the pick and roll, and there was this wonderful battle between him and Aiton that took place at the block charge circle where Aiton would catch the ball pretty deep, but Brooke would be there five, six feet from the rim just, just enough to contest those shots and be a problem, and I thought he was spectacular doing that. For the game, Brooke Lopez was minus one. Pat Connaughton was minus 14. What that mm. tells me is their big lineup was pretty good. Their small lineup didn't work. So Cliff, like some of those threes, a lot of them, I'd like to rewatch a lot of them. A lot of them came off random scramble plays, offensive rebounds, loose balls that went the sun's way and they kicked them out. But what, what can I do if I'm Milwaukee to cut down on the attempts at least? Or, or do you think that this was just a, a fantastic shooting performance by the Suns and there's really nothing you can do about that? No, I, no. And, and I think what will happen is, it, you know, because they don't play again until Sunday. I mean, so they'll the, the whole staff will watch, rewatch, rewatch. Right. And it's usually not one big thing. It'll be, you know, like they had a little confusion. I thought they were pretty clean with their pick and roll coverages all night, but they had a little confusion in the fourth there, right? Where they went, Chris Paul, uh, lob to Aiton for the layup. And then they had uh, the Giannis PJ Tucker, a little bit of confusion that led to the Booker open three at the that top. Was, that was on that Spain pick and roll where Booker yes. flared out kind of, yeah, that was yeah. a, that was a bad breakdown. Yeah, but for the most part, they were clean. And and the same will be ha- true because I think the majority of their threes, it started uh, a little bit in transition. Phoenix was getting the ball up the floor quickly early in the game. They got a couple early ones in transition. The majority of them, from what I saw, were more driving kick plays where, uh, you know, the Bucks were, you know, committed to helping. I think it's a great adjustment. You know, they're concerning, obviously, about the foul situation from game one. And by helping more, it allowed them to keep the ball. You know, it wasn't getting as deep into the paint. They didn't foul as much. There wasn't as much pressure on the rim. And again, you'll be able to take some of those and maybe three or four, and they may be overhelps. You know, without watching the film, it's hard to know. But you can, you know, there'll be reads, which, you know, which is so much of what defense in our league is now with everybody playing five out. Um, but I, I think the thing, if, if you take away from them, uh, you know, again, is less fouling, which they did. And now, you know, they'll work on, hey, instead of 15 threes, we got to get it back to whatever, 11, 12, 13. Um, because the reality is this. Most of those tonight were spot ups. You know, they weren't as many off the dribble. And, you know, if those guys are going to shoot spot ups, they're going to make a high percentage. So, Cliff, so it's, it's almost mid, right now as we're doing this, it's almost midnight Eastern. It's nine o'clock in Phoenix. Um, you've just you've just lost a playoff game. I'm sure the Suns, I'm sure the Bucks are staying tonight and traveling home tomorrow morning. So you lose a lot of the day in travel. If you're the if you're the coaching staff, what is your next 24 hours like as you prepare for some sort of practice um, on uh, on on Saturday? Yeah, so you know they'll they'll I'm sure I mean I think most staffs are pretty similar. They'll go. Uh, everybody will watch the game. 
Uh, everybody usually has post-game responsibilities. You know, th there's probably, I'm sure, uh, one assistant who may be just in charge of three-point defense, you know, with the post. He's going to have a tough night. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so they'll know. I mean, by, by tomorrow morning, when everybody's had a chance to evaluate the film, uh, Bud will know as they sit down and they meet and talk about what they want to do for game three. Everybody will see things, things on offense. Maybe it's something for Drew. Maybe it's something for Chris, uh, you know, to get them. They can get an easy one. They may see something there with the Phoenix coverage they might be able to take advantage of. And then they take the things that worked well, the things that didn't work well. And then at this time, most of practices, to be honest, there's not a lot of contact, obviously. These guys are going to play big minutes. They, they, well, in the second half tonight, neither team sub much. So guys played huge minutes. And uh, the same will be true, I would think, the rest of the series. So practice will be more teaching, correction, uh, and just making sure the guys are on the same page about the areas of the game where they do want to make those small adjustments. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, ooh, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You mentioned yeah. the minutes. I mean, look at the minutes. 44 for Booker, 41 for Paul, 42 for Aiton. You don't see centers playing 42 minutes in the NBA anymore. 38 bridges, 37 crowd. And... We should mention the Tory Craig right. injury because they're down to seven guys now with Saric and Craig out. And those are not sexy names. They're not big minutes players, but you're either going to play those seven guys all the way through, or you're going to, you're going to get some Nader minutes and some Kaminsky minutes and every little second matters. And like, you're now adding up surviving one of those injuries. We saw tonight doable surviving two. Yeah, it's doable. The Suns are now huge favorites to win this series. But it's it's every little thing matters. Cliff, I want to go back to something you said, the overhelp thing. When I asked you about Lopez, that's kind of what I was getting at. I, I'm watching the game. And I'm like, I wonder if Lopez was so good. And, and they stopped switching, right? They, they switched one to four, but not one to five. We're going to have Lopez drop, but we're going to bring him up. We're going to bring him up a little higher and and, you know, try to try to help in when we should help in. 
And I almost wondered, are they helping too much? Because Brooke has been so good. But like you said, you, you slow it down. It's easy for me watching film. Like in real time, you're talking about Devin Booker and Chris Paul coming around to pick toward you on the wing. Your inclination is going to be, shoot, my guy's a little bit behind. Like I got to reach in a little bit or I got I got I got to lunge in a little bit. Like I just think the Suns made a lot of really good shots. But I do think that help versus stay home equation maybe could be dialed back like 10% towards stay home. But those are really, I mean, you could, when you're on the sideline watching the game and you see it unfold in real time, like those are really hard reads to make. Oh, no, no question. That's where, you know, they, they threw in a couple blitzes when Portis first came in the game in the first half. They had a couple blitzes there. They have everything, you know, like watching all these games, they've shown a lot of different coverages in a lot of these series, you know, um, but they're most comfortable. And listen, they've been a terrific defensive team now ever since Bud got there is tonight. They played more out of their base. And I thought Drew Holiday's pick and roll defense was incredible. <laughs> God, he was incredible. great defensively. Oh, he yeah. was great. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I'm saying, Zach, is I think a lot of times people want to sit around and talk about, well, Jeff made the point tonight. It's a coverage. It's a coverage. It's a coverage. I'm just saying is, let, let's say tonight out of those 23s, I would dare to say seven to eight to nine of those were driving kick threes where there was a help read on the play. And I'm saying what you're saying is that that's something that you can clean up in a day where maybe like you're saying is, you know, make sure it's a penetrating drive or you know, when it's when it's flatter, we don't have to help as much. And guys in this league, and they've got veteran guys are so smart. That's something that they'll be able to, uh, you know, be able to, you know, to make that adjustment. And sometimes it can make a significant significant difference. The other thing that we've seen with the Bucks just throughout the postseason is that it's real hard for them to survive a down Middleton game. Uh, they just need him. They really need him because I know Holiday was off offensively and he probably shot a little bit too much, but I didn't have a problem with most of the shots. They really need Middleton to provide those relief baskets, especially if they're not playing great defensively. I mean, you know, the Suns scored 118 points in both these games. I mean, Milwaukee came in as the number one defensive team in the playoffs. So, um, and I know that Milton can get white hot, but he is variance in the way he plays is big. And so, um, you know, they get an average Middleton game tonight. They may win. Um, and so Middleton is, is uh, I know it's a big, he's got to bring it. He, he just, he, he's, he, he doesn't have to have, you know, the, the, you know, the 14 of 20 game or whatever, but he can't go five of 16 in this situation. He just can't. And that, and that is, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of reasons why the Suns won, but, you know, there were so many times Middleton had shots that if he makes them, it makes a difference and it gets him a little bit over the hump and it, he couldn't do it. You know, you couldn't ask for more than Giannis tonight. You couldn't ask for more from Holiday defensively. You could ask for more from Middleton. And to win a game on the road at this level, Zach, you have to get that level of performance. It's the finals. Well, I, that's what I wanted to go. I wanted to switch to that end of the floor because we've been talking a lot about Phoenix's offense versus Milwaukee's defense. 
I can't decide if Milwaukee had a good offensive game. I'll tell you what the numbers say. The numbers say they had 115 points per 100 possessions, which would be like ninth or 10th offensively in the regular season. So like good, but not great. And sometimes against a great team and the Suns are just a flat out awesome team. That's, that's the headliner of the whole playoffs, by the way. The Suns are freaking awesome. They they're are. just an awesome they team. Are. How they're could you not awesome like the? Team. How could you not like watching the way they play? I mean, you they're, see why their fans are just delirious. How can you not love the way they play? They're awesome. They have no weak links. They do everything well. They are the most resourceful team in the NBA on offense. They just problem solve, problem solve, problem solve. But so you're gonna if you're Milwaukee, good on offense might not be good enough to win some of these games. It was not good enough tonight. And I look at the numbers. Like I said, it was okay. 18 offensive rebounds on on 51 misses and nine turnovers. I'm not sure you're going to be able to duplicate those those numbers and sort of rely on that kind of just possession grinding to lift your offense from – if they just had an average offensive rebounding game, their overall offensive number would have been below average and and maybe bad. So, Cliff, when you're watching their possessions, particularly in the half court, because we know what this team can do in transition, they're absolutely lethal. Like, what what are you seeing – where can they go to maybe get some easier looks for Holiday and Middleton? Like, what, what is there any is there any adjustments to be made on that end for the Bucks? Well, I thought the one thing that stood out to me from from game two to game one is they were very much in the pain. You know, I thought Drew got. Uh, I agree with what Brian's. I mean, Drew Holiday had a lot of like good drives where you know he missed, and they're not easy shots. But there's shots that most nights I would think that he would make. Those lefty little like half hooks and stuff that he's so good at. And tonight he had a bunch of them that went in and out. And Aiton, Aiton was big at the rim too. Like give, oh, we got to give Aiton some credit for that too. He made those shots tough. Yeah. And then to me, the Middleton piece, um, it's the same thing. You know, he was one for six from three. He had some good shots that didn't go down. And uh, – and but again, I think what will happen is it's amazing. You know, I, I you know, I, this is one thing that happened to me. I've never I've never forgotten the year I was the advanced scout with the Knicks. This would have been 21 years ago is, you know, Jeff had told me. Is when you're an advanced scout, once you all this stuff down, it's like a coaching clinic every night. And so once I got comfortable Whenever I watched Miami, it was Pat Riley. San Antonio, it was Pop. And the Sixers, it was Larry Brown. I would always go to the press conference. Because, you know, when they felt like it, you would learn stuff. And one night in Cleveland, you guys will remember, this was Randy Whitman was the coach. It was a team, a young Andre Miller. um, I'm trying to think. Clarence Weatherspoon, those guys. They got off to a good start, and then they had a bunch of injuries. But anyway, they beat Miami. And that was the morning, Tim Hardaway, those guys, they were really good. Eddie Jones, that team, right? You probably so still I, have some, you probably still have some Knicks like hate in your blood for that, for those Miami guys, a little bit somewhere. Oh man, no, those games were, but anyway, I never forget coach Riley said, they said, they asked him after the game, basically like, what about this or that? And he said, look, I could make something up here and throw stuff at you. But the reality is, I never know until I watch the film. And it's so true. I mean, it's hard to watch a game, especially on the offensive end, or like even we're talking about these help reads, right? Until you can sit and watch the film. So my point is, it's a long answer, 
is that those guys will go back and they'll see things offensively tonight that they can take advantage of in, in the uh, in the next game. The same will happen with Monty and his step. They're going to see other things that they can do. So you leave most games with like four or five things that you say, this wrinkle, or if we run that or go back to something. Um, and both teams also will have things that they've run all year that they haven't used yet. It's only two games in. So uh, the other thing with the Middleton piece, and this is what's hard when a great player gets going, you know, usually he's involved the last six, seven, eight minutes of a game. Giannis was so good, you know, they never really got, you know, they usually go to that Middleton high pick and roll game late. And Giannis was so good, they didn't do that tonight. So, you know, he didn't have as much a piece of the pie either. Cliff, I wanted to ask you, so in this game, there was a great Monty moment that they put on TV where he's giving a pep talk to Aiton. Um, the, the microphone is always interesting, especially during the playoffs when the stakes are so high. Um, and I know that you guys have a switch. You can switch it off. Um, and then there's somebody in the truck who works for the NBA, doesn't work for ESPN or TNT, and they approve whether this is going to go or not. Um, and if a couple Steve years, Kerr's, if Steve Kerr's listening, right. he's already getting upset. Right. Cause a couple years ago that, what was the Steve Kerr, what was the nature of that um, discussion with Curry? He just, he was praising. I think, I think it was Durant. No, I think it was a Durant oh. one that, that because, and he was, I believe this is just off the top of my head. He was, he was recounting how Jordan would like look for some other guys out of timeouts if they offered oh, help right. or something like that. And I, it, it didn't, when it aired, everybody with the Warriors was very mad about it. I may be mis miscasting it. So don't hold me to that. Cause again, you, I just going off the top. Well, that's one of the reasons why a lot of times what runs on is sort of the generic stuff, because then they go into, Hey, let's, let's, let's attack the hell out of player X in this next bit. <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to hunt this guy down. Uh, that was a great moment. So, um, how did you, how, you know, when you had playoff games, how did you handle the mic when you were in there? Um, did you flip it off? I know that. Yeah, sometimes I did. I mean, look, the thing that I, yeah, I think everybody does it differently. The thing that, that to me, and this is Monty, to me, I think it's one of his great, many, he has many strengths. One of his great, great strengths is it just shows the type of relationship that the two of them have. Yeah. You know, like you can't talk to somebody like like a, a good NBA player, which is what Aiden is, like that if you're not connected with him. You know, and you could tell that DeAndre was locked into what Mark was saying. It was, they were making eye contact. Right. And so to me, that's not the first time that that type of message has taken place. Right. And that's what I took out of it is, um, look, th this is, they, they're uh, both of these teams, obviously, they're together. Um, and uh, you think about it, a year ago, Phoenix wasn't even a playoff team. Right. You know, Who so it been so many it? parts of it but i think monty's leadership has been a, a huge part of the whole thing obviously who was a player in your career that you found you could have those kind of talks with in the heat of a game maybe like a good nba player or, or even a star someone you you realize okay i can i can get in this guy's face a little bit if i do it the right way oh for me for sure kemba walker mm. you know um you know he just he was so about the team and so wanted to win um and, uh, you know, 
again, you know, like when I got to Charlotte, things, you know, they had they were coming off 21 wins. So, you know, they had been through a lot. And, you know, just like these Phoenix guys have, you know, they've been through some tough times. So they wanted to be, they wanted to be coached hard. And, uh, but no, no, for sure. He's, you know, he's a, uh, you know, you know, in my, you know, the guys that I coach as a head coach, he would be, you know, very special. The relationship between point guard and head coach is always, uh, it's always a complicated one. Um, but you know, I did a piece on Aiton earlier this year, and um, I watched uh, the Phoenix Suns play. I've talked about this in my podcast before, and um, I watched them play a bunch of games. And Aiton just gets yelled at all the time. <laughs> he just gets yelled at all the time, and, and Chris is yelling at him, and Monty's yelling at him, and Mark Bryant is yelling at him, and <laughs> Willie Green is yelling at him. I mean, they're not always screaming, but you know, just they're always in his face. And um, I asked him about it, and he he he. He wants to be coach. We're talking about a, a guy who, number one overall pick, um, you know, may not have the greatest habits ever, but he does want to be coached. And here you are in game two of an NBA finals game. That crowd is crazy in there. And he is, you know, he is allowing himself to be coached. And he, by the way, he did have a good finish after that, you know, after the, after he, you know, he could have easily, there could have been a hundred times earlier this year where he, Gave him a pep talk and he didn't, but he did have a good finish after that, yeah. that moment. So I thought that was, um, you know, I thought that was a, a very interesting moment. I'm glad that Monty was willing to leave his mic on. And I'm glad that the NBA person cleared it because that's the kind of stuff that moment could be remembered for a long time. And it probably happened. A lot of coaches have that happen, you know, probably five times a game, but that moment was special. And that's what you want out of the finals. You want to be able to be taken inside. And I thought, I thought that was great. That's going to be a lasting memory for me from this game. Let's um, yeah. let's let's go back to the series. Cliff, did you want to say something? Well, the one thing I wanted to say about Aiden is the thing that is so uh, impressive to me is he's playing the way he needs to play to play well. He's not worried about you know like again you know he's the number one pick. He's not in there complaining when he doesn't get post ups or not get touches. He's, he's worried about screening, rolling, playing well defensively, anchoring their defense. He's locked into the right things. And with the younger players now, say compared to seven or eight years ago, because of the youth basketball, in my opinion, in our country, these guys are coming to our league. They're, they're not prepared to play NBA basketball. They don't understand their games. And I, again, he does, however he got here, it doesn't matter, but I just, I, I don't think he could be playing with any better purpose than he is. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done! Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge 
and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Let's let's zoom out in the series. To me, this does not feel like a series that's over. Uh, this does not feel like a 2-0 series where, where you just feel like, all right, well, I've, I've seen it. I, I kind of know it's going to happen. They're going to split in Milwaukee, come back in Phoenix, win in five. Maybe that's what happens, but it doesn't feel like that to me. Maybe you guys disagree. Um, I think the Bucks will go home and, like Cliff said, see some stuff on the film. To me, offensively, I, I think the one thing they could do is Phoenix is giving them whatever matchup they want one to four. A lot of times Phoenix will switch one to four. They can get Chris Paul on Drew Holiday, and he looked pretty comfortable going right at except the one time Chris Paul pulled the chair on him and but ended up fouling him. They can get uh, Devin Booker on Chris Middleton and post him up. They can they if they just run a couple of screen acts. They had one play where they did it was very similar to a Devin Booker play where they had Drew Holiday come off two screens in the corner into a Giannis dribble handoff. I, there's more stuff like that, but it, I I don't know. Brian, I'll start with you. Like what what's again? We're doing this right after the game, but to me. This feels like a series that for, for a 2-0 series is still a kind of – it feels heavily contested to me. It does not feel over, particularly with the Craig and Sarge injuries. Right. So, so you have the injuries. You're going to have the, 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 the advancing minutes. Also, I think that Phoenix just enjoys a huge home court advantage. I mean, that crowd is just at a 10 the whole game. And, I mean, I can feel Tim Corrigan in the, in the truck saying – we got to have these crowd shots. This crowd is just, they're just falling out of their seats. And I think that drove the sun. So they're not going to have that, you know, that they're going to, you know, I don't know what the analytics say that home court is worth, but I say it's, I say for the Suns in the last two games, it's worth 25% more. So what is it worth three points? I say it's worth, you know, four and a half points. So I think just switching home court naturally is going to have that, the uh, the wearing effect of uh, of playing the minutes, and I just don't you know obviously it happens, but typically you just don't shoot the ball as well on the road, especially in your first road game in in a series. Um, and I'll point out that the two games that these guys played in the regular season that they were spread out a little bit and the personnel changed, they were one point games. Both games the Suns won by one, and I don't feel that this was a ten point game. I just don't feel. It. I know that's what it says, but that's not the way it was played. And the first game was a what was it a nine point game? I feel like it was closer than that. So switching back home, and I'm giving it a four and a half point um, spread. I, I've decided it's four and a half points. You know, prove me wrong, Kevin Pelton, and um, and you know I I believe it's closer than that. So. Um, Yes, I say this series is closer than the than the final scores have been, and um, uh, I think Milwaukee goes home and shoots a little bit better. And uh, also, at some point, Scott Foster is going to officiate a game in this series. The Suns have avoided him. I don't want to make it a big deal because I'm always a defender of officials, but I do believe that Scott Foster will be in Chris Paul's head a little bit, and Scott Foster will show up, and that will be worth. I've, I'm awarding that seven. 7.75 points. So I'm, I'm arguing that a f- five point swing when Scott Foster uh, officiates game, game, uh, game three and the Suns are having to go on the road. I don't know if that math would pass Buster at MIT. I think you just, I think, I, I don't know. We'll see. That's my feel. Uh, That's my feel for the game. Cliff, what about you? How does the series feel to you? I mean, as a coach, when you're in these series, you're always, you're, you're in the weeds of it, but you also sort of probably have a gut 
feel for how the series is going or flowing after a few games? How, how do you feel watching this one? Oh, I, I'm sure that uh, number one, Phoenix understands that if they win game three, they're in incredible shape. But, um, you know, like Coach Riley, you, you said it before, Jack always says the series never starts until the visiting team wins a game. So Phoenix did what they had to do. The games were close. And remember now, I believe, I believe I'm right. I mean, Milwaukee was down 0-2 to Brooklyn also. So they've been there. And they've badly, badly yeah. embarrassed. Right. And, game, you know, and they have a, they have a veteran team. Um, so, no, I mean, again, I, th- I think all these games will be, uh, will be hard fought. And, and, again, they're going to go home. They'll, they'll make small adjustments. And like we're talking about, they'll see things they like on the film to, you know, get Middleton the ball or get him a matchup on the same – I, I actually think Drew Holiday, the shots he got tonight will be fine. He's gonna he's gonna make more of those personally, um, yeah. and um, you know they'll they'll go from there. I mean, there's there's always things that you can do, uh, but uh, th- this is I mean these teams are both terrific teams. So I again I think if Milwaukee wins games three, then they're right where they need to be. I, there's nothing I love more than a game four in a two one high stakes series, and just it just feels it feels like I mean every game gets escalating in importance. But um, we can end with this because we should celebrate the Suns. The Suns have had an amazing season. I've made a habit on my podcast and this podcast of referring to the Suns as resourceful. So here's my resourceful Suns possession of the game. It's like eight minutes left in the first quarter. Possession's kind of going nowhere. Chris Paul has the ball at the top of the key, top of the arc rather. And Jay Crowder is like, okay, shot clock's run down. I think they're probably switching if I screen for Chris, like, because, you know, they're switching one to four. I'll screen and I'll slip out of it and see if I catch him by surprise. It worked. He caught him by surprise. Chris hit Jay Crowder on the roll, help converge. Jay Crowder kicks to Mikhail Bridges for a three. And there's your fourth and fifth starters, guys who you want to pigeonhole them as three and D guys, making a play out of nothing because they're basketball players. That's a basketball play. They just know how to play and the Suns know how to play. And that's my son's resourceful possession of the game sponsored by nobody. We don't have a sponsor mm. for that segment that I just made up, but I just love watching this team play. They're up 2-0. they're in control of the series. And like Cliff said, they win game three. It's a wrap, but uh, Wendy, any concluding thoughts? I don't know. I don't know how old Devin Booker is. Was he about 25? Um, He's, he's played his whole life. He's obviously been a standout his whole life. And he's talked about stories about how moving to Mississippi, you know, changed his perspective on the game and how his father prepared him and how Kobe, his relationship with Kobe prepared him. And he's talked about how, you know, being overlooked and being, um, you know, having to deal with being on a bad team has, has frustrated him. He's worked his whole life. I know it's not been that long of a life and relative to a guy that Chris Paul hasn't been that long of a career, but he's worked his whole life to get here. And I can't imagine the feeling, and he's probably not even feeling it because he's so focused, the feeling to play so hard and do so much. And then when you get to the biggest moments of your life, your basketball career, you actually deliver. He's never been here before. And he's, he's not even he's not even as white hot as we've seen him. This is a guy who regularly has 50 point games, but to watch him play so well on this stage, um, 
it's just it's just a, he, he he's got to just be feeling amazing right now and, and i know and if he was here he would say job's not finished because he mimics what kobe says you know job's not finished i don't care if it's 2-0 i don't care if it's 3-0 and we're up 20 in the fourth um and that is what i was taking away from tonight watching how brilliantly the suns were playing and i know that it you know, you can point out mistakes that they're making or whatever, but considering the stakes and considering the level of competition, the Suns played just great. And they've been miserable for a decade. And the, so many of these guys have experienced, and you know, how many nights have they been in that building where it's been dead or they've, they've gone out of that building, gone to the parking lot when they've been so frustrated because they've had a loss or they've lost eight out of 10. And it's just been so frustrating. And to, to finally get to this moment and play that well, it's uplifting to watch. It makes you want to play the game of basketball. It makes you want to work about the game of basketball. For me, it makes you want to be around players like this and watch and experience and tell these stories. So I don't know how the rest of the series will go, but I think Devin Booker hitting those big shots um, tonight has to really be life-affirming for him. Seven of 12 from three. Cliff, you're the only one of us who actually knows what the hell you're talking about. Any parting <laughs> thoughts on the series? Anything you well, want to end with? I would say a couple of quick things. One, if you're Phoenix, you guys have both mentioned it. Uh, you know, the Craig injury could be significant. Um, and uh, he was playing well. He's versatile. He can guard all those guys. So um, if he can't play, you know, that's going to be part of the next three days for them. How are we going to sub? Who's going to play who? And by the way, even before I realized he had an injury, like a, a – just that's one of those charges where I felt the pain through my screen. I mean, to step up and take that charge from that guy at that speed. Yeah. Woo. Oh, yeah. I think, I don't think people realize how strong Giannis is. I mean, he just, you know, he's, he's a, he's a monster. Then I, I think on the other hand is then, then if you're Milwaukee, it's the same thing. You know, you mentioned the rebounding game. They've been offensive rebounding, you know, all year. And I think in the playoffs, they may have by percentage been the best offensive rebounding team of any of the teams. And they have to stay with that. Um, you know, and, and then I, again, I would say a good part of the next two days is figuring out, okay, we didn't foul, you know, what we did, our pick and roll defense was a lot better. Now, how do we take away the threes and particularly the spot ups? And then, what we've had a lot of conversation about what do we do for Chris? What do we do for Drew? You know, just so they get some easy ones to get going. And that's a simple way. That'll be the beginning of it. Uh, but I think that's what the next three days look like. Steve Clifford. It's always a pleasure talking ball with you. Um, you just, you just break it down like, like a coach. Cause that's what you are. I hope you have a good summer. Once, uh, once all the NBA movement and stuff dies down, Brian, we will be back after, Game three with another special guest, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, scheduled. Uh, scheduled. As scheduled. <laughs> as scheduled. You never know whose schedules will change. That's on right. Sunday. Um, Mr. Winhorse, thank you as always. Coach Clifford, thank you Thanks, as Cliff. always. Everybody thank be you safe. Guys.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.